Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. I'm starting a new series this morning, and uh, it's called Margin. Margin. And for some of you, if you remember from your school days, we used to have margins in the side of our pages, and uh, um, you know, and that's probably old school. I don't know, they probably don't do that anymore. But we used to have margins on the side, and you could. Teachers always said, keep your margins clear, keep your margins clear. Why? It's there to write on, isn't it? You know, keep your margins clear. But uh, this morning we're going to look at a a scripture out of uh, Luke, Luke chapter 10. If you want to start getting yourself, your Bible's ready there. But I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Or a few questions. And I don't know what your week, your month, your year's been like. But how many of you would say this morning, occasionally or often, you feel pretty stressed. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. Come on, I just want to get... Yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's a heap. That's a heap. Um, all over this, this place, you know. How many of you would say, occasionally or often, you feel financial tension or pressure? Just put up your hand just so I can get a look at that. Yeah, okay, so there's a fair bit of that. Um, and maybe someone else, it might be for you, I wish I had more time to myself. I wish I had more time for myself. I don't do much for myself. Two hands. I can see those two hands. I wish I had more time to spend with my family or my friends or other people. Just give us an indication. Yeah. That would be me. That would be me. You know, we live in a culture that pushes us to our limits. And, you know, there's, there's a good part of that I guess you know it increases our capacity and we've talked about that a little bit this year but you know there's there's this thing in our culture that says we have to do more we have to buy more we have to be more we have to develop more we have to accomplish more we have to conquer more we've got to be more every day of our lives more 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 push 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 and and I'm going to argue this morning and in this series that that's not living the way the Bible would want us to live it's unbiblical it's unsustainable, in fact, in our lives. And the deal is, that's become the normal. And I want to challenge you in this series about what the normal is in your life. Because, I don't know about you, but even our kids, you know, I see kids that are like seven or eight years old and, you know, they're on top of homework and they're on top of school and they're on top of all the things they do for their, their spare times, their sports and their, all that sort of things. They're out four or five nights a week doing activities, uh, not to mention what happens in the weekends. And, and, and for many of us, the schedules now we impose on our children end up imposing on us and we end up stressed as well as them. And it's ridiculous because that's our normal now. And it's not biblical It's not the way God would want us to live, I believe. And if you ask those people, well, are you enjoying life? Well, no, but I haven't got time to answer the question because I've got to go. It's like that. I'm on my way somewhere. I've got to be somewhere. And virtually everybody I know has very little margin for error in major portions of their lives. 
Most people have no margin for the most important things in their lives. Some of you might be saying already, well, what's a margin? Let me give you a better definition of that here this morning. You know, there's a few things I've been reading and, and looking at over this last season. Last year, I've read heaps of books with that premise. You know, um, one book that, that Rob Stevenson uh, directed me to, uh, Essentialism, by a guy called Greg McEwen. Like, Whoa, that's cool. I'll have to read that book. It was a great book. It was a business book, really. But it's about saying no, being empowered to say no. It's about what you need to cut out of your life. It's, it's actually the pursuit of less in our lives. We have this pressure from the culture and our society that says more is, is better, when in fact, God probably might be saying less is better. You know, um, I've heard a series called by, uh, taught by Andy Stanley called Take It to the Limit, which is, which is great too. Uh, I'm reading a book right now and I haven't finished it yet, but it's called Margin by Dr. Richard Swenson. And it's, it's, it looks amazing, you know, it, it's really what I thought, oh heck, there's some really good things I need to talk about in this series, I want to finish that before I get in the, further into this. We're doing Emotionally Healthy Leader as a course and, and reading that book as well and there's you know, things about leaving space in your life, making space in your life uh, for God. And, and here's a definition anyway of what margin is. Margin is the amount available be, be, uh, beyond what is necessary. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. So if we uh, had to be somewhere in 30 minutes and it takes 20 minutes to get there, we'd, we've got 10 minutes margin if we leave now. You know, if, we've got, if we have $100 and we've got to spend $80 on our bills, we've got $20 margin left. And, and that's what a margin is. You know, a margin financially would be, this might be new news to some people, but money left over at the end of the month, you know? And, and, and what's that? You know, what, what's that? What, money left over? Yeah, it's a really life-changing thing to think about that. Um, maybe uh, margin is having a distance between you and temptation. Understanding what that is. You know, rather than being uh, morally on the edge all the time, it's having buffers in your life to make sure you stay back from that and not stumbling over that line. Margin would be showing up five or ten minutes early for an appointment or to church. Whoa, to church early? Why? Coffee, coffee, absolutely coffee. Um, you know, margin might be um, in emotional capacity. So you have the maturity and the ability to deal with problems when they come at you rather than reacting and, and, and blowing out every time something comes at you, you know? Yeah, your kid comes home from school or whatever and with a problem and, and you react and smash them and you go, whoa, what was that all about? It's having margins in our lives, you know? Margin might be having a few nights a week where you do nothing, absolutely nothing. Don't turn the telly on. Don't, none of that. Have margin. You know, maybe margin is like what Rob was talking about this morning, having extra money to invest or, or time into something that's dear to your heart, whether it's a, a ministry or it's a, a, a not-for-profit or, or something else that you see needs time and effort put into it, things that you love, you know, people, you know, people who need, you know, and, and you've got the extra margin, you can sow into that. Maybe it's, it's having time to think and reflect and meditate, to dream. You know, maybe it's having a significant time with God. You know, we, we're just you and God and, 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 and you sit in his presence and let him speak to you. Let him sow seeds of what he wants for your purpose, for your plans and purpose and future. Just sitting in God. You know, 
And I don't think we do enough of that. I don't think we spend enough time meditating on God's word. I don't think we, we, we spend enough time enjoying in God's presence. And can, what, can I tell you why I'm selling, saying that? Because I know that's the case for me. I know that's me. You know, it, it, life, the pressure of life just comes at you. And, and I was saying this to Lois just before the service. I said, look, you know, I think we need to hear this sort of message regularly, on a regular basis, to reassess our lives. What, what have we allowed to, to overtake our lives, our time, our energy, our, our focus, our attention? What, what have we allowed to get in the way of what is actually really important, just not what is normal, because the world will tell you what's normal, not to live by the world's standards, but to live by God's standards. And simply put, margin is what most of us do not have. And I'm really convinced, and I've been reading my Bible and, and thinking about this, I'm convinced that the best things in life happen in the margins. You know, there's a word serendipity that I didn't really know what it was a few years ago, but the girls did an event called serendipity. I thought, what is that? It's like something that happens on the way somewhere else. Something delightful that happens on the way to someone else, somewhere else. And you know what? Jesus exemplifies that so often, so often. He's on the way somewhere else and he meets the, the woman at the well. He's on the way somewhere else and he meets the lepers. He, he's on the way somewhere else and he meets the blind man. He's on the way, and, and, and there's a, a, a miracle because he's got margin in his life to do what is before him. You know, we're going to look at this, this scripture out of Luke 10. And uh, it's a great story about two different women got different perspectives on life and about margin. And uh, one didn't have margin and one created margin in her life and, and experienced something that could never be taken away from it. And in fact, is in the Bible because of that. Um, so it's verse 38, Luke 10, verse 38. So let's have a look at that. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, that had to be made. Two women, exactly the same opportunity, sisters, living in the same house, Mary and Martha, Jesus, the Son of God, visited them. He was there with them. Mary created a moment where she sat at Jesus' feet. Now, she probably did have laundry to do and messages and emails and kids knocking at the door and all those sorts of things. But she stopped what she was doing and she sat at Jesus' feet. Martha, on the other hand, didn't. She didn't. She, she like many of us, was distracted. <laughs> she was freaking out. I think, I think this Jesus guy is the son of God and he's in my house and, and, and I'm distracted by that and, and, and understand this wasn't an evil thing, this wasn't sin, this wasn't a bad thing, this, this has actually seemed like a good thing, you know, Jesus is in my house so you know what I've got to do, I've got probably, I've got to clean the house, I've got to get things ready, I've got to get the best plates and the cutlery out, you know, I've actually got to fold the toilet paper over like they do in those motels so it looks nice, you know. And make sure it's the same colour as the shower curtain and, and all those sorts of things. Make sure everything's just right for the Son of God. But she was distracted by the good things from the best thing. From the best thing. And someone said this, and I believe it with all my heart. If Satan, our spiritual enemy, can't make us really, really bad, 
they'll try to make us really, really busy. They'll try to make us really, really busy. And, and I, 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 someone gave me this article, it was an email, I think, many, many years ago, and I have used it in church a couple of times, but, but not for a few years, so I thought I'd read it again here this morning because I'm going okay with time. It's called Busy, and this is not real, by the way, it's just a scenario, a story. Satan called a worldwide convention... In his opening address to the evil angels, he said, we can't keep the Christians from going to church, we can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth, we can't even keep them from forming an intimate, abiding relationship experience with Christ. And if they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church, let them have their conservative lifestyles, but steal their time. So they can't gain that experience in Christ. This is what I want you angels to do. Distract them from gaining hold of their saviour and maintaining their vital connection throughout the day. How should we do this, they said. Keep them busy in their non-essentials of life and invent a multitude of schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend, 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 borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade the wives to go to work for long hours. Husband works six or seven days a week, 10 or 12 hours a day so they can afford their lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children as family fragments, as their family fragments. Soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so they cannot hear the small, still voice. Entice them to constantly be on social media, listening to the radio, CD, MP3, whatever. TVs, DVDs, PCs, all those other letters, Playstations, Xboxes, all those things that we do. Mobile phones going constantly into their homes. See that every store and restaurant in the world plays non-biblical music constantly. This will jam their minds, confuse their souls and break that union in Christ. Fill their lives with world news 24-7. Invade their driving times with billboards, advertising noise. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail, lotteries, competition, mail order catalogues, every type of newsletter, promotional offering, free product services, false hopes. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted, disquieted, restless, unprepared for the coming week. Don't let them go out in nature, reflect on God's wonders. Send them to amusement parks, sporting events, concerts, movies instead. And when they meet for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so they, have, they leave troubled with troubled consciences and unsettled emotions. Let them be involved in soul winning they crowd their lives with so many good causes, they have no time to seek the power of Christ. Soon they work in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family for the good of the cause. It was quite a convention in the end. And the evil angels went eagerly to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get busy, 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 rush here and there. The devil has been successful in his scheme. Has he? You be the judge. Definition of busy. Be U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. It's a good article, isn't it? It's a good article. And uh, it strikes a chord with many of us. It strikes a chord with, with many of us when we think about that. You know, I don't know about you, but you know, my, my job description basically is <laughs> to read the word, to pray, to, to lead the church, of course. But, but my day-to-day has got a lot around the word and, and prayer. And sometimes you can just get so busy with the, the rubbish, with the crap, with the stuff that doesn't really matter. Yeah, we've got to meet legislation things and we've got to do all those, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's. We have to. But, but you know, we have to get real. And, and this week I, I spent three days of prayer and fasting. And usually it's a wonderful time, you know, 
Um, I, I try to do it at least a couple of times a year and, and I'm going to try and do it more from now. But uh, three days where just meet with God. And this, this week, I've just had a busy, busy period leading up to it and, and I've been trying to get away for a month, to be truthful. Just things kept coming up and I kept putting it off. And basically got away, you know, had a really busy week last week. It was, it was huge like the week before and, and then sort of went into to Sunday and, and we you know, did church and that was great, you know, it was, it was all good. But sort of thought, oh, I'll start Sunday night. I'll start fasting Sunday nights. So had a light meal before, you know, early and then just sort of fasted from then. And, and Monday had a lot to do around the home because we'd just been busy and so I had to do a lot of chores. And then I realised there was some church work I hadn't done so I had to get into that. And that's my day off. That's usually the day I go, nothing else cuts across that. I'm not doing anything else. But I allowed it to because I knew I was going to try to get away for a couple of days of fasting and prayer. <laughs> So Monday got consumed. I left late Monday to go away to have a night. And, and, uh, and then Tuesday I realised I woke up and thought, oh, good, and got some space. And I thought, oh, hang on, I haven't done that. I forgot to do that. Oh, gee. So I had to jump on and do some texts and emails and phone calls. And Tuesday disappeared. Now, Tuesday night came. I thought, oh, I've got to go back tomorrow because I've got this meeting. And, and, and so <laughs> got up Wednesday morning. And we had to head back to, to come back to do some meetings and some other stuff. And yes, on Thursday when I was preparing a message, I went, what, what was that? Instead of, I just did my normal life. I wasn't actually praying and fasting at all. I, look, I prayed a lot and I wrote and I read my Bible and all that sort of stuff, but there wasn't any depth to it. It was just a superficial thing. And, and I was disgusted with myself, to be truthful. Because I just did my normal life, but except I did it remotely, and I was hungry. <laughs> so I was cranky, because I was hungry. <laughs> and that's not the purpose of prayer and fasting. And, and it just really brought this into a sharp focus, you know. I was doing good stuff, don't, don't get me wrong, it wasn't evil, it wasn't bad, it wasn't sinful. It was good stuff, I was trying to build the body of Christ, I was trying to be a good steward of what my job is, and, and I could justify that in my mind because I'm building God's kingdom, build, building God's church. And, 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 but here's the thing, I missed a great opportunity just to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him speak to me, be in his presence, not with an agenda, not, not with, I need this God, I need that God, just to sit at his feet. And I missed it, I missed it. And all the other stuff, you know what? Tomorrow it won't even matter what I did last week. <laughs> no one will even know. It won't even matter. So many of us are consumed and obsessed and possessed with accomplishing the urgent because we think it's important. And we're missing the most important things in life. Mary and Martha, as I came in this situation, it's hilarious, really. In verse 40, Martha comes running to Jesus and she asks, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. And it's funny because Martha's absolutely convinced that she's doing the most important thing. I don't know if you see that or not. She's doing the right thing, the most important thing. And that Mary, she's just sitting there. She's been lazy. Look at her. She's just sitting there. And this is our greatest challenge. This is our greatest challenge. Because the world tells us 
we feel better about ourselves when we're busy. If I'm busy, I'm important. You meet someone, how are you going? Oh, I'm busy. And that makes us feel good. <laughs> it shouldn't. It should be the opposite of that. In our Christianity, we should go, now yeah, I've got some great space in my life, you know? And the, the, the challenge with me sharing this with you here this morning and this series, many of you are already convinced that the way you're living life is necessary and right. Um, and, and you're going to think, well, this is the way I have to live. Busyness, isn't that success, isn't it? More and more and this, and you're convinced that everything you do is what truly matters, that is absolutely necessary, that is to help you be successful in this world, and everybody's doing it. And everybody, that should give you an indication, if the world's doing it, it probably isn't the right way to live. You know? Broad is the road and wide is the path that leads to destruction. The Bible tells us that, you know? And many people are on it. And small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. You know, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't do it because everyone else is doing it. Do what God says. See what he says. You want God's best in our lives, you know? Don't do what everyone else says, you know, because if we, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, his perfect will. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't, don't do what you're doing just because everyone else is doing it, for goodness sake. Examine your hearts. Examine your motives. Examine your lifestyle. Examine what you're doing currently, the pattern you're living in. And I know it's hard to break out of those habits and those patterns, but I'm telling you, God's best isn't in, in those habits unless they're godly habits. And in these next few weeks, I'm going to challenge you a lot, I believe, in this. I'm going to speak quite honestly to you and, and you know and some of you will go yeah that's good Greg that's something to think about that's good there's no change in that I'm not looking at small changes here <laughs> see you're, you're smart yourself you, you guys you're, already, you're intelligent you know what's going on in your life you, you can make small changes yourself what I'm looking for is the radical change the transformational change that goes you know what I'm sick of living that way I'm now going to live this way I'm no longer going to be caught up in that junk I'm going to live this way for, for Christ. I'm going to do it. That's what I'm looking for. You know, I, I'm, I'm really convinced, and, and I've just had an example of this, this this week myself, where when we allow the world to dictate to us our lives, we'll live contrary to what the Word of God says. Contrary, the opposite. You know, like Martha, Jesus, tell her to help me. I'm right, I'm right. This is the way it should be. And Jesus doesn't say that. He says, no, no, your production, your busyness, that's not the way you're supposed to live. You see, in Luke 10, verses uh, 41 and 42, this is what Jesus says. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing's needed. One thing's needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Don't you love that? Mary's chosen what's better. You see, it's a choice, church. It's a choice, an absolute choice, the way you live your life. It's your choice. Not, I can't make it for you. 
I can only challenge you with it sometimes. And, and, and for some of you who are already resisting me, you go, well, Greg, you know, you only work one day a week anyway, so what, what's the problem, you know? And, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, you don't know the financial pressures I'm under. You don't know the, the, the pressure I'm under with my family. You don't know the emotional pressure I'm under. You don't know what I've got to do. You don't know my boss. No, I don't. And yet, the choice is yours. It's your choice. No one else's. You have the right to choose the way you live your life. You've got the right to choose to live the way the Bible tells us to or not. Your choice. So, so let's, let's talk practically. Just a couple of points to finish off here this morning. Just to, you know, what happens when we live a marginless light or what happens when our margin decreases? There's two things I thought of. When margin decreases, your stress increases. That's not rocket science. It's pretty normal. When margin decreases, our stress increases. You know, and I don't know if you've recognised in, in your life, maybe in this last week, in this month, you know, when, when our margin, when we get pressured, our stress increases in the process of that. You know, um, maybe for some of you, <laughs> was coming to church this morning and someone in your family made you late and, uh, you know, and on the way here, there was a few tense words and there was a bit of pressure and then you walk in and go, glory, hallelujah, great to be in church, let's worship God and, you know, and, and, and look, we missed the first song, you rap band, you know, and, and it was a good song, it was a good song. Um, and that, that, that produced that stress, that less, no margin produced stress. You know, I've got a great example of this just recently. Um, we, we were trying to fit out the, the offices and I was trying to buy some second-hand furniture from different offices and organise a desk from uh, Newcastle on a Friday afternoon and, and it was raining and, and uh, I had a heap on and I tried to get all that done and then, then had to throw the trailer on in the rain and, and, you know, finally got in the car and we were running a bit late and so going down and looked at the fuel gauge, was like the light had just come on and I went, oh... Okay, that's right. That'll get me a fair few kilometres. I should get to Williamtown, but I forgot I had the trailer on and there's a fair bit more resistance. You use a fair bit more fuel. Got through salt ash and then all of a sudden the thing started beeping. Fill, fill, fill. And, uh, and I'm telling you, it only took 10 minutes to drive from, say, salt ash to Williamtown, but it was the most stressful 10 minutes I've ever had in my life. Because so I'm waiting for this car to hesitate, you know, and, and I've got a diesel car and it's in the rain and it was a horrible cold day and I'm thinking, I know what, how painful is when you run out of fuel with a diesel car it's really difficult to get it going again and in the rain and I'm thinking oh do I turn around or do I keep going do I, do I, do I trust you God God said don't trust me you did it you know and uh, <laughs> it's like it was like I was sweating you know it was a crazy thing and I'm thinking why do we do that why do we do that not enough margin creates stress you know same is true for us financially you know when our financial margin decreases, what happens in our relationships, particularly in marriages? What'd you buy that for? We don't need that. What'd you buy that? We don't need that. Or something breaks, you know, and there's two problems. You, you can't afford to fix it, and, and you can't afford to, to uh, buy a new one. And, and that financial margin decreases, our stress increases. The second thought is then, our mar- as our margin decreases, your relational intimacy also decreases. Our relational intimacy also decreases as our margin decreases. And 
you know, there's those times when you know you're busy and you're frustrated and you're challenged and, and your mind is, is, is disengaged from, from your, your spouse and from your family. You might be with them, but you're actually not with them. You're somewhere else. And you're with someone you love, but you're actually not with them. You're not actually loving them. You're not present at all. Your mind is working somewhere else, thinking about something else. You can even go on vacation, but you're never really there. You're not really with them. You're thinking about other things. You're, you're still connected to work or what else is going on. You know, I've seen this in restaurants where there's, there's a family of four sitting around at the restaurant. thinking, think, oh, that's nice. A family's having a good time and, and that, that's good. Then you really look and they've all got four of them. You know, and one's on Facebook and one's emailing and, and one's texting and one's twittering. I think, you're a twit if you're twittering and, and, and they're twittering, oh, having a great meal. And you go, no, you're not, you twit. You know, leave your Twitter alone, you know, and, and, uh, and enjoy your family for goodness sake. You know, you think it's ridiculous. It's it, it just, our life has been, become crazy, you know, and, and, and we just get too, too busy with, for people and also for God. You know, we wake up and we're off. You know, where's God fit into that picture? Why do we think that's normal? Why? You know, why do we live with these marginless lives? Why do we, well, we, so many of us plan on slowing down one day, but we rarely do. And in fact, unfortunately, when we do slow down, it's because of sickness or ill health. You know, and very few people consider, well, how about if I trade down on houses because I don't need that house anymore. I need a small house and there'll be less stress financially. Or maybe cars or, 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 or you know, and oh, no, I know money doesn't make me happy. And yet we work and we fight and we scrape and we, we battle for, for every dollar. And, and, and we'll, why don't we cut back on our schedules? Why don't we make more space in our lives so we can spend more time with our kids, with our grandkids? You know, why am I so tired? Why, why am I so sick and tired, you know? The bottom line is, can I say this, that it's because we don't truly, fully trust God. We're not trusting. We, we are on the throne. And God, you're there somewhere, but I'm not really looking at you at the moment. I, I'm, I'm on the throne. I've got to make this happen. No, it's not the way to do it. You know, we, we think we are the one that's, that's got to make our life better. And clearly, Jesus says about Mary, she's doing the better thing. That's the better way. Life is better when we do it with God first. And we always think we're going, well, if I'm not there and doing it, we're going to miss out. There's an opportunity and there's this or there's this. And, 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 and finally, I need to fill that void inside me with busyness. And, and, and we're missing the point. Got to work harder. Got to work longer. Got to have a nicer, got to have a bigger, got to have a, a, a shinier, got to have... No, you don't. No, you don't. That's the world telling us that. It's not what God would want for us. It's, it's, it's almost insanity, really, if you think about it. If God is our number one priority, why don't we put him first? Oh, yeah, yeah, but you don't understand. No, 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 no. If he's first... Why don't you put him first? Got to have more. Got to have... And, and really, if we, if we really broke it down, and if we spoke to it in, in Old Testament terms or even in New Testament, it would actually be idolatry. 
It's become an idol to us. We're now worshipping the wrong things. We're worshipping the stuff in our lives. We're, we're worshipping our busyness. We're worshipping material stuff. We're worshipping wooden, metal, brick, mortar things, just like they did in the Old Testament. We laugh at them and go, why would they worship that cow? Oh, they're so funny. And you go, well, hang on, look at your life. Look at our lives. What does that consist of? We're worshipping that stuff. Got to have that bigger house. Got to have that nicer car. Got to have that promotion to pay for that then. Got to work harder, work longer. Got to be at that meeting because those people will think badly about me if I'm not at that meeting. Yeah, got to have my kids involved in everything they possibly can be involved in. Yeah, they've got to be in, in every team, in every, every hobby, everything that you can possibly think of. Why? Well, sorry, I haven't got time to come to church. I haven't got time to go, go send them to kids' chairs. I haven't got time to send them to youth camp. I haven't got, not things will make eternal difference. Yeah, I've got to keep them busy now. It's the wrong way around. It's the wrong way around, church. All right, let me finish this. Let me finish this. Because we've got to have a come to Jesus meeting. Okay? Got to have a come to Jesus meeting. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29. Jesus says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Let me add a few more words. Come to me, all who are stressed out and overwhelmed and busy and can't get it done. Come to me, single parents who are about to fall apart. Come to me if you're in, uh, in business, you're a business guy and, and, and you feel like you're going to lose it all. Come to me if you're a mum who has no margin in their life. Come to me if you're overwhelmed and feels insignificant and, you, and, and if you're single and you feel like you're not connected with people. Come to me, Jesus says. What does he say? I'll give you what? He said, I will give you rest. Give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Learn, learn from my words. Learn, learn from what I'm saying here in the Bible. Learn from Jesus. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. And what will you find? You'll find rest for your souls. You'll find rest for your souls. Just think about that for a minute. You'll find rest for your souls. What do we really want? What do we really want? I don't know about you, but I know I want rest for my souls. I want that peace, I want that assurance, I want that tranquility, I want that trust in God, I want rest for my soul. And Jesus says, it's there for you. It's there for you. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You know, you, you, some of you know this and, and been around for a bit. I went through almost burnout a few years ago. I just wanted to resign. I didn't want to do this anymore. It was too hard. I just didn't want to do it anymore. It was, it was too tough. We bought this property. We sort of started and we couldn't work out how we were ever going to do it. Not enough money, problems with council, not enough people, not, all those things. And we were limited in that little room behind. And, and, and I just said, look, I don't know if I can do this got the end of myself and I'm pretty sure God sort of said to me well that's good I'm glad at the end of yourself now I can do something in you and through you there's two people I, I, I went to one was a, a pastor who was, re, was actually retired really experienced he said have you had a holiday I said oh no I can't have holidays there's too much going on he said no 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 I think in the first five years we might have taken one or two weekends off 
over that whole time. Worked hard, like a maniac. Doing good, doing good, but nearly took myself out and uh, my family in the process of that. <laughs> Why? 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 Just one other person I met with after that, in that process. We took a month holiday, by the way. Still came back tired, but I could actually lift my head after that. Talked to one other guy and he said, you know what? You identified some adrenal fatigue, fatigue or exhaustion. He said, you just need to sit for five minutes a day and think nothing. I said, yeah, that's easy. I could do that. I went away and tried to do it. 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, but I've got to do this and what about that? And start thinking about all the things I had to do. And I went back and said, I can't do it. He said, don't you realise that's insanity? That's craziness. And I know. He said, you just got to sit and listen to the voice of God. And he said, look, I justify. I said, yeah, but, you know, I read my Bible and I read my Bible through every year, you know, and I've read that through the last 10 years and, and I've done all that and, and I do devotions every morning and I write in my journal every morning and, and, and I use the Acts, you know, acronym and I go adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I do all that. He said, yeah, yeah, but you're missing the last part. And I said, what's that? He said, you're not listening. You're busy, 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 even in your prayer time. And the Acts one is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, then listen. Listen. And a challenge for me, for you this week, I want each and every one of you to spend five minutes a day just listening. Five minutes out of a whole 24 hours. Five minutes. I challenge you. Five minutes. For me, it's better at the morning before I get going. Just five minutes. Just spend five minutes and let God speak to you. Not, not asking questions, not, not, not expecting answers, just listening. Sit quietly and, and meditate on what God would want you to meditate. And I know it sounds easy, but it's actually really difficult. Each one of you, try to do five minutes this, this week. Just spend that time in God. You know, we are going to cover a fair few things over this next week, a few weeks. So I'm, I won't preach next Sunday, but the, the next one will be in two weeks' time. But um, just spend five minutes over these next two weeks, if you will, and just see what God does in that process. Can we pray? Can we pray? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word, for your Holy Spirit, for your presence. God, I, I pray in your precious name, for each and every one of us, God, that we get a greater revelation of the margin you want us to have in our lives, God. For you, for our spouse, for our family, for our friends, for our church. God, I pray you give us a revelation of that. God, I pray right now that you, you drive that into our spirits, into our souls. Let us have those five minutes each day with you, Lord. We just sit at your feet like Mary did. And you tell us that's the better way. That's the better way. Good, well done, good and faithful servant. Sit and listen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's one other group I want to speak to this morning. And for you, maybe um, 
maybe you feel like there's a void in your life that you've been filling your life with your busyness to try and make yourself feel good about yourself with, with being significant and, and, and busy and, and, and you know you know there's an emptiness inside there's a void inside your heart and it's actually a Christ-sized void it's a Christ-sized space in your heart and maybe you've asked Jesus into your heart or maybe you've never done that before but somehow that space has opened up there's just this void and you, you know there's an emptiness inside but you don't know how to fill it and the world, the world won't give you any answers to that. Oh, sure, temporary, but long-term, nothing. And here this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to meet with him, to, to let him fill your heart, fill that, fill that space, that, that, that despair you feel. Is the Holy Spirit leading you into this place of relationship with him? And, and I want you to surrender to that this morning. And I know that's hard because there's people in this room and I don't want to make a fool of myself and blah, blah, blah. Everyone else has got their eyes closed anyway, haven't you? Here's an opportunity to get right with God. And if that's you this morning, if you've been searching and you you might think, well, you know what, I think I have found the one. We have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouths. So it's not just good enough believing. We've actually got to confess this with our mouths as well. If that's you this morning, all I want you to do is put your hand up and, rec- and I want to recognize that with you. So if that's you this morning, say, yes, Greg, that's me. I want to meet with this Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else here this morning that says, yes, that's me, Greg? Anyone else? Fantastic. Fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray these words together. Can we all pray these words? Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. And I need a saviour. Transform me. Make me new. Make my whole life completely new. Strip away the idols, God. I want to serve you with my whole heart. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. Thank you, God, for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.